L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. If you haven't heard, it's a good idea to fit probiotics into your daily routine. Fortunately, Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls make that so easy. These adorable little pearls couldn't be easier to take, and they support both digestive and vaginal health, all because of the probiotics. There are actually one billion active cultures protecting against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort, all in one tiny little pearl. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And uh, with us today is a platypus. Well, I mean, not really physically in the studio because that would be kind of terrifying and weird. A little cute. Yeah. But uh, we'd probably be submerged in a little bit of water or marshy area. Yeah, I might be stung with a, a vile poison. We, there, various things could happen. Yeah. And that's why they're not allowed in the office. But the platypus Anymore. is with us in spirit. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It is here and it, it, it wants us to represent in case you're wondering why platypus. Yeah, it's sort of, I know, the, the Rodney Dangerfield of the animal kingdom. It doesn't get much respect. <laughs> People kind of make fun of it. Um, and we should probably talk about why this, well, this, this poor guy, gal, doesn't get the respect it deserves. It's interesting you say that, though, because there was a time before all these facts that we're about to discuss came out when the platypus was really revered. For instance, um, William Wadsworth originally wrote, I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high or veils and hills when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden platypodes. You know, that was the original lyric. Then he changed it to daffodils. Likewise, William Blake, platypus, platypus burning bright in the forest of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Then he changed it to tiger because uh, all this stuff came out about the platypus and people were like, whoa, I'm going to distance myself from that. Mm-hmm. Nicely done, Roberto. Yeah, I'm You not had e- me for a second. I was like, I don't read it. I do not remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Happened again with Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Platypus, but that's that's a different era. That's so much sexier than Wolf. I don't know why they didn't go with that. I guess that's a, we're kind of underscoring a point here that that it doesn't exactly um, 
take a rock star approach this platypus when you look at it. Yeah. I mean, on one level, they are kind of cute. But, uh, you know, we're talking about a mammal, mm-hmm. a carnivore. You've all seen pictures of it. Uh, the accompanying blog post for this uh, podcast will have a picture of a platypus for your amusement in case you forget what they look like. Uh, tend to be about 15 inches long. Tail's about 15 inches. And the tail is looks like that of a beaver. They appear to have a duck's bill and a duck's webbed feet. Mm-hmm. They kind of have a furry otter's body. So they, they look, I've, I've heard it mentioned that they look like an animal that was built by committee. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it, they look kind of like a Frankenstein creature. Yeah, yeah, built out of spare parts. Right. And actually, um, it, it, it is a weird looking creature, but it also genetically is a weird creature. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. Um, but it's also kind of exciting because it's, it's, a uh, it's given us a little bit more insight into evolution and uh, perhaps how we even evolved as humans. Um, but I do want to mention that uh, it, it is it is the proper name is duck billed platypus because yeah, okay. there is actually a beetle that's called a platypus. So they had to kind of go back when they were. Uh, that's crazy because it, that's kind of like having to call the Ghostbusters cartoon the real Ghostbusters because there was an older Ghostbusters cartoon with a gorilla. In yeah. It. I mean, little did you know, in the animal world, there's the whole TM issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so actually when specimens of it were first shared in the 19th century, people thought that this, this, uh, creature was completely fake. They thought it was like, um, what, what was the mermaid we were talking about last the week? The Fiji mermaid. Yeah, they thought it was like a Fiji mermaid where yeah. it's like, really? An otter with a duck bill? All right, right. Dr. Frankenstein, get that thing out of here. Right, because we know the Fiji mermaid was, was made to look, was actually made out of parts. Yeah, they took a monkey, part of a monkey, they took part of a fish, yeah. sewed it together, put it on display, charged people a quarter to look at it. Yeah, so by the time that platypus came around, they were like, you know, burn me once, shame on me, burn me twice, <laughs> shame on you. Or I think backwards, but whatever. Um, it, it's just so odd looking that people just couldn't really wrap their heads around it. Um, and actually, the, the other reason why people couldn't wrap their heads around it for so very long is because it's indigenous uh, to Australia and mm-hmm. to the streams and freshwater areas around there, uh, rivers. So it's not like it's in a multiplied, multiplatypus of places, so to speak. Um, and... It's also not something that we've been able to breed in captivity and really look at it uh, until recently, actually. So it's been a bit of a mystery, mm-hmm. and some people uh, for a long time thought they just didn't exist. Um, so that's that's sort of the, the background that you get on this person. And we should probably go ahead and say that sometimes we're going to say platypodes, right, Yes. for the plural. Perhaps we'll even say platypuses. I think both of them are right here. Platypuses, yeah. Platypuses and platypodes, platypodes. I like better because it kind of sounds like platypuses exploding. So yeah. that's going to be my my preference here. So it's it's easy to make jokes that the platypus looks like a duck and a beaver uh, had a baby. Um, yeah. But obviously that's not the case. Uh, these guys date back quite quite a long ways in our uh, in the evolution. Uh, of of mammals. Yep, that's right. One hundred thousand years ago, these these guys have been hanging out for that long, and they were actually called monotremes. They're uh, one of only two kinds of egg laying mammals. Okay, weird, right? Mammals don't lay eggs, right? right. Um, and the the duck billed platypus is one, and the echnud echnud I believe echidna is a spiny ant ear. Yeah, so that's the echidna? other one. I go with that echnud echidna. I- uh, yeah. Let's go with spiny ant ear. Spiner, spiny ant ear. Yeah. 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 And it's actually thought that they've, they've been successful as a group, this tiny group, right? Um, in their survival because they can take to the water to escape danger from the land loving predators. So small group of, of uh, egg laying mammals here 
and also huge anomaly. Like yeah. it's almost, it's sort of a question mark even to call them a mammal. Of course, they, they are classified as a mammal, but that again is one of the reasons why they're so odd. Yeah, because genetically they draw from toolboxes of, uh, genetic toolboxes of other species. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they're called the bridge animal. Yeah. And uh, this is from Scientific American. It's an article called What's Our Connection to the Platypus? And again, they call it the bridge animal between non-mammals and birds and reptiles. And the article points to the platypus as a clue as to how mammals, birds, and reptiles evolved from a common ancestor 315 million years ago. And this is a quote from that article. As you look at the platypus genome, effectively what you've got is a patchwork. Places that look a little bit more avian, places that look a little bit reptilian, and places that look a bit mammalian says Mark Batzer, a, gen- a geneticist at Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. Uh, looking at different genomes and seeing where various processes were created gives you some insight into how things work and why they were generated. So they, they mapped the genome of these guys and, and they realized that it wasn't just as straightforward as being a mammal. Right. Or what we think of as a mammal. And it kind of all boils down to the old Frankenbeans. The old frankenbeans? Oh, they're parts. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is uh, interesting uh, because I was in yoga last night uh, with my wife, and uh, there was kind of a low point when we were uh, we we're trying something new in yoga. And the so, platypus. No, no. Well, position. That was, the platypus <laughs> position. It's really, yeah, it's it's really rough on the knees. The platypus. Um, but uh, I just leaned over and I was like, "Hey, did you know that platypuses have cloaca?" And then she <laughs> got mad at me and said that I'd ruin platypuses for forever. Well, and you did this in yoga. Well, it was I. It was on my mind. I'd been researching technology, the ancients, all day, and platypuses. And platypuses seemed, you know, more game for a, a quick uh, anecdote during yoga. Yeah. Well, let's talk about why this is disturbing <laughs> to your wife and to others and to myself at times. The cloaca, right? Yes. Um, the it, this is again. This is Roman for uh, sewer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a multi-use port for genetic material mm-hmm. for pee mm-hmm. for. Poo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, it's, it's a call a one ender, I believe. Yeah. Because it does everything. Um, and for, for platypus, um, or platypodes like reptiles, they actually maintain their testicles in a body cavity, uh, while placental and marsupial mammals hold their testes in an external scrotum. Mm-hmm. So it's odd, right? Because, it, it and yet they are classified as mammals. Yeah. Cause the cloaca is typically the, uh, that's generally the, the trademark of the birds. Right. Yeah. Right. And we talked about this too in our Tyrannosaurus sex podcast yes. about cloaca. Um, and, and it, we're trying to figure out exactly how dinosaurs made it. So the cloaca is, is a very interesting model here. We won't go into that because we've talked about it before then. We've already made the platypus now kind of dirty in talking about yeah. cloaca. Every time we say the word, we lose like three people shut off the podcast. Yeah. They're like, stop with it. Don't please don't say cloacal kiss. Ah, you yeah. did it. Yeah. But, but I mean, really, just bef- before we move on, let me just say that, I mean, technically with humans, we have like genetic material and, and pee use the same parts. So, I mean, there's an alien could easily land in this the neighborhood. Planet. Yeah. yeah. An alien could easily land on this planet and say, whoa, I have like three different things. Well, only one function for each one. You guys are gross. That's true. And they'd really That's be true. grossed out by the platypus. It, it is all perspective. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about why they're technically a mammal. Yes. They, uh, the big one, of course, with mammals, as we all know from science class, is the milk, right? Yes. So 
is there platypus milk? Not available at the store, but available <laughs> at the platypus? Not yet, yeah. Uh, mammary glands actually secrete milk in collective grooves on their abdomens, and then the baby platypuses lap it up. But they're not quite nipples, though. They're not nipples. And, um, and I was actually watching the um, the documentary that you recommended, uh, The Life of Mammals, in oh, yeah. which Sir Attenborough? Richard yeah. Attenborough narrates it. And he says, it oozes out. Which I thought, like, that's so much better than, than, you know, it just gets collected in grooves. Like, somehow uh-huh. that just, even if I say it in my own accent, it oozes out that you get a better idea of how this is working. I can picture him now in boots chasing a platypus around a swamp, telling me about it. It, yeah, that's what he was doing, disturbing a nest, looking yeah. inside, getting excited about the oozing. And, uh, another reason why they're mammals is that they're hairy. Yeah. Right? Uh, they've got temperature, temperature control. They're warm blooded, although they are nine degrees cooler in body temperature than humans. Okay. So that's what technically makes them mammals. Um, but what makes them reptilian? We've talked about it. The, um, the egg laying. Right. The cloaca. Uh huh. And the testicles, right? When it, when it comes to testicles, they're, they're innies rather than outies. Okay. And, uh, venom. Yes. The males in particular. They have these sharp stingers. Yeah. On their heels. Uh, on the heels of their rear feet, and which they can use to deliver a strong toxic uh, injection to uh, any kind of uh, predator or foe or, or even human if they happen to, to get a little too close. Yeah, I love this about them. I think it makes them like super assassins of the wild. Um, yeah, they've got those spurs on their hind legs. And the the venom apparently is so uh, painful that in, in humans, A, it lasts for a month. Uh-huh. But B, it actually... Um, it is resistant to morphine into other painkillers. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, scientists are looking at that right now and saying, like, what is, let's try to figure this out. Like, how is there a venom that we can't block the pain from that is just so crazy? Yeah. And what can we learn from this that will help us understand pain or, or pain management? Pain management. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, and there's, there's a lot more that's crazy about the platypus, which we will get to right after this quick note. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. And we're back with the platypus. So we were just talking about the platypus venom and how crazy that is. Yeah, how it makes them a, a bit of a, a you know secret service agent. Yeah, especially when you throw in the fact that they're they're bills, which are not really like duck bills. Yeah, um, they're used. They can they can sense with it, like they can sense muscle contractions, right? Yeah, they've got the electroreceptors in the skin of their bill, mm-hmm. and um, that their bill is rubbery, by the way, um, and and a bit pliable, and. Um, as is described in the life of mammals, it's used like a metal detector in the water. And so the platypus closes its ears, eyes, and nose holes, and then it submerges itself. And 850,000 electrical and tactile receptors pick up really minute electrical currents given off by just like the slightest muscle contraction wow. of a creature nearby. So just to drive it home, if your boss was a platypus mm-hmm. and you were in like a meeting with your boss, like... He, he could even just be looking out the window, mm-hmm. you know, not even not, not even looking at you out of the corner of his eyes. And you would have like the tiniest micro expression on your face. Yes. And he, and he would sense it through his uh, his his platypus bill and, and know exactly what you were thinking. Yes. He would yeah. turn around and he would have a platypus bill <laughs> and he would say, I detect that you are not happy with that scenario. And then just like that. And then hit you with the hind venom. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about, I mean, you know, of course we're anthropomorphizing this, this creature, but really, yeah, if you think about it, there's, there's some 007 <laughs> elements going on. 
Um, it's it's interesting too uh, how they they hunt though they um they they end up you know you, after they found their prey with mm-hmm. this amazing bill they scoop up uh, things like insects larvae shellfish worms you know whatever uh, and they scoop it up from the bottom of the, the of the of the the river or pond or whatever mm-hmm. they're in because they're bottom feeders and uh, and they scoop it up with, along with gravel and mud and they store all of this material in cheek pouches and then when they get back to the surface. Then they start chewing it down, but they don't actually have teeth. So that's yeah. why the gravel is important. The gravel they scoop up with, uh, it, uh, is used to munch down the, this wonderful little, uh, um, what, what would you call it? What is the culinary term if you had, uh, amuse bouche? Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, right. Right before their main course. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just seems like some sort of like a mash of different things. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, a casserole it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah, kind of a casserole ocean of worms casserole. and mollusks and mud, and it's all crunched up with these with the gravel in their mouth. Yeah, and, and they've got like, little plates in their mouth too, right? Like they don't actually have teeth, but the plates kind of help too. Yeah, yeah, it's like plates and gravel. It's it's an interesting system. Yeah, that's very cool. It's kind of like a it reminds me of a seagull, although much more complex. Yeah, uh, which brings us to birds, right? Like why why again are they um, genetically expressing genes that come from birds? This is another thing that's confounding scientists. And um, and what they have found is the distinctly bird-like sex chromosomes, and this was a discovery published in Nature magazine in 2004. Um, it was assumed before that that the sex systems um, for mammals and birds evolved depend- independently from each other. Uh-huh. So the conclusion from this data is that it's possible that all mammals, including humans, may have a bit of avian genetic material in our own makeups. Ooh. So there are some biologists who, who take issue with this. They say, like, that's, that's way too much extrapolating going on here. Um, but there are some that say it's very interesting that, you know, our idea of how we have evolved is pro- you know, perhaps not as clean as we have thought about it before. Right. Sorry, I'm just thinking about cloaca again. Like, I guess that means there's somebody. I know. I said, yeah. see, I saw this, yeah. like, slight smile on your face, and I was like, what is going through your head? <laughs> No, I was just thinking about, you know, it's like if, if, as humans continue to, uh, to evolve, if we allow ourselves to, to evolve in any way that's not shaped by our own, uh, designs for ourselves, um, could we conceivably draw back to some of these older, uh, uh, you know, Are you suggesting that if we wanted to, we could have, clo- like, we could create cloacas? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure given sufficient technology, we could reach the point where humans could have cloaca <sighs> if they wanted them, which I hope they wouldn't. But I'm also wondering, like, how much, would our given natural evolution? How much? Uh, I don't know. I just I need no. a uh, I need a brain a brain scrub now. Okay, I gotta Sorry. get that out of my head. It's just such a funny word, and yeah, yeah, Cloica. Yeah, I think it's because of that. I've heard I've heard it uh, put forward. There was like some comedian who was writing about this and very recently. It's like words that have like a a cl and a k sound in it mm-hmm. are are inherently funny. Like the word clown, the word. Uh, Cloaca, the word, uh, I don't know, give me, an, give me another one. Kegel, but that's not even, that's just that's, funny for yeah, different reasons. But, but that's, that's a, it's a funny word. It's funny in and of itself. Yeah. So. I don't know. I feel like we're at the end of our platypus uh, podcast. Are you, are you thinking? I'm thinking. Now so that we've too. devolved into <laughs> trying to find the cloacal-like words. Yeah, so I mean, that's a basic overview of the, of, of the platypus and why it is a unique, not only a unique animal, 
and a funny-looking animal, but also a, an, an important animal and uh, and one that's worthy of continued study. Yeah, and it's still a mystery, right? Yeah. They still are trying to figure out why this genetic material is showing up. What does it mean, again, in, in, the, in the bigger context for humans in terms of what we're made up of? Um, you know, I, I have bird-like behavior sometimes. I have to wonder if I've got some genetic exp- expressions going on there. I like worms. <laughs> we must have some listener mail, I'm we sure. We do have some listener mail. We have uh, we received quite a bit uh, from our um, recent uh, podcast titled, Is Mathematics a Human Discovery or a Human Invention? Uh, uh, which is cool, because that was a really fun one to put together. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and we, you know, we won't be able to read everything we received, but I wanted to just touch on a few. Um our reader by the name of uh, our listener by the name of Jeremy writes in and says, "Hey, Robert and Julie, I was listening to your mathematics podcast. This one particularly interests me because I'm somewhat of a mathlete in high school. That's that's awesome. I don't think either of us were mathletes. No. Uh, anyway, when you mentioned uh, Gödel's first uh, incompleteness theorem, it struck me as a kind is kind of funny because it reminded me of Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I've read the six book trilogy a few times, and one quote has always stood out to me." There is a theory which states that if ever anyone discovers exactly what the universe is for and why it is there, it will instantly disappear and be replaced by something even more bizarrely inexplicable. There is another theory which states that this has already happened. So uh, Jeremy goes on to add, I'd have to agree with Gödel's theorem. We'll never fully grasp everything that's out there. Think of things like this. Uh, some some discovered cells in plants. Uh, eventually they discovered uh, the cells were made up of smaller parts like uh, mitochondria and DNA. Later it was discovered that these smaller pieces were made up of molecules, and the molecules were made up of atoms. The atoms had n- neutrons, protons, and electrons, and now all of these are made up of quarks, neutrinos, and so forth and so on. That's all. Keep up the great work. Love the podcast. So that was uh, quarks, neutrinos. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, he t- he took us to the edge of human understanding. I know, you know I know. That's how he kind of mind cracked us, and then yeah. just left us there. Oh, he's a mathlete. What do you expect? I know. Yeah, they're they're intense. Uh, we also heard from Leanna. Leanna writes in, Hey, Robert and Julie, I wanted you to know that I enjoyed your math podcast. I was an English major uh, who was a was math-phobic. Now we're talking. This is more like yeah. our people. When I was in high school and college, uh, but in recent years, I've discovered that I'm fascinated by the ideas in higher mathematics and science. I think it's because I discovered the patterns shown in things like uh, Fibonacci numbers and fractals. Last December, our office was picking out calendars for the coming year, and I really had trouble deciding what I wanted to get. I'm not one for having pictures of dogs or kittens on my wall, and I'd had calendars with pictures of flowers and famous artist work for the past five years, so I was really excited when I ran across the calendar showing pictures created by fractals. I get so many comments on the beauty of the pictures. Some of them are psychedelic, uh, and others are very soothing, uh, but each is unique. And I get a kick out of explaining to people that the pictures are a product of mathematical equations, because the most common cons- uh, comment after that is, Really? Mathematics can be beautiful, even to a math-phobic English major. Thanks for the podcast. You make science even more interesting. Oh, well, thank hey, you. Well, that's high praise. I can't really ask for anything nicer. Why not? Um, and then uh, I don't think I'm, I'm actually not going to be able to read this uh, whole email, but I just wanted to say, uh, thank Jim for writing in. He had, had some wonderful comments about the whole uh, uh, question of whether um, – Math is a is an invention or a discovery. So I'm just just a quick excerpt from this. I oscillate between the invention discovery camp, and I don't have a strong conviction between either. But right now, I'm leaning in the invention camp. To me, mathematics has been an invention that allows us to model many things we observe. 
physics, chemistry, biology, etc. All of these disciplines existed before mathematics, and they will surely exist should mathematics be forgotten. There may even be other models that represent them as well. Uh, so anyway, it goes on from there. It was a great yeah. email. I really enjoyed reading it. Was it was very insightful. So, uh, uh, thank you for sending that in. And I also wanted to add a quick note on the mathematics uh, podcast. I briefly mentioned uh, the idea that uh, that, no, that the angles in numbers in uh, like an ancient uh, Phoenician number numbers were related to what that uh, that numeral stood for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of aired there because that's uh, that's a contested idea. Uh, so don't take that one to the bank with you. It's just it's just more of a I think it's more of an observation that people have made over over the years. Uh, but and uh, and on the surface it sounds great, but when you start looking at the data, it's like people really disagree on whether that has holds any water. Uh, but everything else in the podcast is good to go. Cool. So if you want to uh, talk to us about the platypus. Uh, if you have, uh, especially, I would really love to hear of anybody who has any uh, actual hands-on experience with uh, with platypodes out there. If yeah, you any Australian listeners too. Like, yeah, what does yeah. it is it mean something in in their culture? Like, yeah, what's they... it like to live in a country of of, of platypodes? I mean, you guys, yeah. uh, we have actually have a number of Australian uh, listeners, and uh, and you guys have amazing animals, and this is just one of them. So it, yeah, yeah where are like? they in the hierarchy? Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear about that. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are Blow the Mind on both of those things. And you can also send us an email at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.